Okay, everybody, welcome back to another week of the 3 Plus 1 podcast. We have some great stuff here for you today. Tracy, welcome back. Thank you for having me I back. feel like I have not seen you in two weeks. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. <laughs> Tracy, what can you tell our listeners about your time away from us? Well, I've been booked and blessed. Oh, booked and blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, let's go. I've been working on two projects simultaneously. I cannot really talk about them, but one is a TV show that will be on um, Apple TV. Okay. Oh, wow. And, and right, then nice. another is a feature film that will be in the movie theaters. So Ooh. when I get the okay to discuss further, I will let y'all know. Yeah, we right. will be ready to watch both. I'm really excited that I have Apple TV as a part of my iPhone mm-hmm. uh, 11. So I will get to watch you on the phone. Yes, you sir. got it? I've had it. It was a birthday gift that I received on October 21st. I just haven't taken the time to set it it up because I don't like the three circles on the back. I don't like the three lenses. They are scary to me. I have that (laughs) weird thing where those types of circles and holes just, they don't scare me, but they just annoy me. They bother me. So I'm just, that's Mm -hmm. why I haven't set it up. So, Tracy, welcome back. This week for the 3 Plus 1 Podcast, we are joined by noted author Solomon Hill Fleet. So thankful to be here. So thankful to be here. Thank you all for having me. Solomon is the author of the brand new text entitled... Fuckboy. That's the title (laughs) of the text. No No other way way to say it. it. This is a term used to describe a man whose dealings with women is far from respectable. Uh, for this author, it has definitely become more than just that. It has become a way of life. This is by your own omission, Solomon. Tell us what motivated you to write the novel, Fuckboy. You know, I'll just have to be honest with you. Um, my dealings in the Atlanta streets, uh, my opportunity to get to dating. I had a, a bad breakup and I thought I would just jump straight into the dating pool. and So I got out there. And I started realizing that I was becoming and doing some of the same things that I used to talk about. I was doing fuck stuff. And so, you know, over the course of me talking about it, one girl really said to me, she was like, are you an aspiring fuck boy? Is this what you're trying to do? And it just stuck with me. And I was like, maybe I am. And so to kind of heal after everything, I just said, you know, maybe I should just write about it and talk about my mindset, the mind state of some of my friends when we're out here just being fuck boys and I thought maybe give some perspective. So this week, the <laughs> hashtag okay Boomer just really has come around and swept the um, internet. It's, yes. it's a huge, oh, wow. you know, wow. uh, thing. What I want to know is because I you could probably hashtag okay Boomer me. I don't really know what a fuck boy. Is mm-hmm. Tracy? Do you know what a fuck boy is? I absolutely. Oh, so, so I want both of so you to. to <laughs> and I, so I want you guys to school me and you know what? Okay, boomer. What what is a fuck boy? Tell me something. Uh, well, how from, do you define from fuck my boy? experience being a what I consider being a professional single woman okay. here in Atlanta? Um, a fuck boy is is really someone who has no intentions on being serious with you. However, mm-hmm. will lead you to believe that he does want to that, be serious with you. He will. He'll do boyfriend or future mate kind of things with you, and the moment you try to get serious back with him, he's like, "Whoa, Whoa too much." Let me ghost you. Okay, mm-hmm. let me. Um, um, 
reduce you to staying at the house instead of we were going out on dates and doing those things that um, uh, build memories yeah. uh, and build experiences that build bonds. Let's stop doing that. Let me reduce you to the house. Let me continue to just fuck you and fuck you. That is, that's a pretty good accurate. Yeah. That's accurate. You know, it's all the things she's saying. Ghosting you, gaslighting you, making you believe that you're tripping and that even though I gave you boyfriend vibes or that I really wanted to be with you, make you believe that I didn't, that you're seeing things and reading into it too far. Anything, Lawrence, Lawrence's character epitomizes it. Making you feel like I really want to be with you and right when it's time to be with you, be like, nah, I'm not ready yet. Lawrence from Insecure. Insecure. That was and so you guys <laughs> watch, if you watch Insecure. I've watched some episodes, yes. So it I is a major television program for our millennials. Mm-hmm. Millennials love Insecure. It really speaks, I think, to that generation. It does. Tracy, does it speak to you as much? No, it does. It okay. does speak to me. I, I just, it, doesn't, you know it, doesn't, I am, it doesn't speak to me. I don't watch oh, it. Oh. No, Insecure right. has not done a thing for me. I must say I appreciate good writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the show is well written. Mm-hmm. I appreciate what it adds to the... Um, to, to television for young black people. Yes. But those experiences don't necessarily speak to me. But again, I acknowledge that I'm getting older. And nah, so certain no, things so just close. don't relate in the same way. It is a culture. Being a fuck boy, can you agree, mm. has become a culture. It is. it is a trend. And in Atlanta, it's so big because the count is so big. We know it's going to be eight to one. So we know we have a pick. And it's kind of like what she was saying. If you an educated black man, you don't have kids or you don't have as many kids, you kind of feel like it's justified to I'm do what you want to do. Like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty big deal right now, you know? So you're doing what you're doing and you just don't realize you're setting other people up for now trauma that they're going to have to repair from. Wow. You know? But at the time, you're kind of just selfish. You just want what you want. So you're like, yeah. What is wrong with being honest about where you are? Why do men feel it's necessary to behave this way? You know, it's like, I think uh, what I think this girl told me at the best. She said, you guys want to control the outcome of a situation. And you know, if you admit that you have second thoughts or that things may be different, you can't control the situation. You want to be able to have a cake and eat it too. So why would I tell you, hey, there's a chance that I might like someone else or that I might not want to be in this and you're not going to give me this sex. Mm. So instead of just saying that, I'm going to just say, you know, I'm open to seeing what's happening. I'm going to tell you that I'm working on my stuff. But I'm not going to really tell you the full thing because I want to leave the door open. So you'd rather lose my respect and gain some some. The thing about the respect is sometimes you may feel like, depending on how you do it, you may be able to talk your way back in. But I think when it really gets severed, that's when it really hits you. Like, I didn't even have to do it that way. That was so unnecessary. Now I just lost out on a good person. Yeah. And that's what I kept saying. Like, damn, if I'd have just said, this is where I'm at, she probably would have either said, no, I can do this, or yes, mm-hmm. I can do it. But it gave them the chance. Wow. Yeah. But. So do you feel as though you are a fuckboy <laughs> now, or do you feel that you are a reformed fuckboy? What would be the most appropriate categorization of you at this moment in your life, Solomon? I think... <laughs> You could say reformed. I really felt accidental. You know, one of the things I talk about a lot in the book is it wasn't really me, but I was trying to be like my friends. Like, kind of my friends were able to really just like have casual relationships and kind of keep it moving. I've never really been good at doing that. 
And so because I didn't do it well, I was hurting people. Mm. So I think I just had to step back and be like, you know what? This isn't really me. So now I feel like I'm reformed. Uh, I, I'll be much more honest with women now. And uh, I think that's just helped me as a person. I'm working to deal with my shit. So. so do you feel as though most men out here that would defi- be defined as fuckboys, you know, are they getting this? Do, they be- do you become a fuckboy as retaliation against the way you've been treated by women or... Are you a fuckboy because that's naturally who you are as a personality? Or could there be other reasons? What, I think, what are you, I think majority? You, got, you got so many different types, but I think the root of it is I felt unwanted in some way or something happened I didn't like. So now I feel like a response. But then you got some people just naturally that are just selfish. It didn't really matter. They had people that treated them the way they wanted to be treated, but they're just so selfish. Mm. But I think a lot of men you should find is that, like this girl says, that bravado. I got hurt, so now I feel like I have to do all these extra things to show who I am and beat on my chest. So we, one of the things we talk about is just that male fragility. Like, because of this... Male happened, fragility. That is it. That's the crux of it. Male now, fragility. Now, is this book written for the sisters out here, are <laughs> trying to start a new trend, which I think should be more, we should have more of, where you're encouraging more men to step up to the plate, yeah. to to look at themselves, examine themselves. You what, know what? what is this? That's really the trend of it because I, I think I think a lot of brothers will read it and probably say that wasn't that bad. But I think mm-hmm. the main thing I'm trying to say is it was bad enough, and it's a reason why I was trying to do therapy and do other stuff and really dress. It's really more so these are the reasons why we need to be honest and why we need to really work on emotional stuff before we get women. And for women, it's like, you probably were this woman at some point in time, mm-hmm. and this is what he did. This is probably where he was at. And maybe you can identify with it because it's different stories. You're like, oh, shit. I was that woman at one point. So it's for all of us. I would say so. So it's for all. It is a very profound reality that the mental health of the black community is something that needs to be considered, yeah. cared for, and, 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 and examined. And I think that's and something examined. that you're speaking about and you're talking about um, and you're unearthing. There's a lot of work that has to be done in the black community and among who we are as individuals. But to what extent that's happening, you know, I, I don't know. Some people are getting relationships without having done that work. Oh, yeah. Some people are getting in marriages without having without done that, that work. work. They're having kids and they haven't done that work. And they're passing, passing down, down generational curses and damage that without that, that could have that now will have to work through in future generations, but could have been mitigated mm-hmm. through through counseling. And I think, you know, that's some some of the issues and some of the things that Fuckboy will raise that's for right. some of our mm-hmm. um, readers. Throughout the course of the week, we're going to delve deeply into your text and talk to you about some of the decisions that you've made to write this book, how you wrote the book, the process of writing the book, and we'll delve more into that one tomorrow, as well as the real experiences that really frame it. Um, What we're now going to kind of go into are the topics for the week, starting with how your president... Donald Trump came to your city Don't say Atlanta on Friday, disrupting traffic. Oh, uh, for man. several events, he came with his vice president in tow, who said nothing of note. Um, he went to he a never fundraiser. Does. He never does. He was to a fundraiser in Buckhead for uh, Senator Purdue. And then he went to the Georgia World Congress Center, where he had the 2019 Republican Negro Fest. Uh, at the 2019 Republican Negro Fest, President Trump spoke directly to a horde 
of African-American or black voters who should be, according to him, disenfranchised and disgusted with the Democratic Party. Oh, my God. What are your thoughts on your president's visit to Atlanta, specifically his efforts to court black voters at Republican Negro Fest? Let's change your pronoun usage first. Let's not say your. Okay. <laughs> there. There. He is our president. Uh, he is the elected president, the elected 45th president of these United States of America. Mm-mm-mm. He reserves the right to go where he wants to go. And he reserves the right to talk to who he wants to talk to. Uh, but I just think it's just so brave of him to come in the blackest city in the country. That's just such a brave thing. And to have people actively campaigning for him in 2020. In this current time for him to come here, that's just such a ballsy move. But that's, it was. That's it was a very ballsy move. You know what? We cannot take away Donald Trump's balls. You know, he has... We could. <laughs> you, we got to give him credit to say that he's a ballsy guy with some probably some pretty big balls. Now, according to uh, media reports, other things may not be in that same vein oh, uh, with size, but oh, we definitely can say that he's ballsy. Uh, Donald Trump definitely, I agree with you, Solomon. It took a lot of balls to come to this city, and he did so, and he obviously did very well. I will say that despite what national reports are saying, the Atlanta media has not been overly harsh on him. They actually portrayed and identified the fact that the event was well attended, and it was well attended by uh, black Voters, people who, you know, and, and that's interesting, you know, about 500 black voters were there. There were fewer protesters than there were attendees, which is another plus for Donald Trump. Tracy, what are your thoughts? You're making a lot of faces. I guess, are you uh, trying to eternalize? Are you? <laughs> um, I, I think my issue is when black people say, well, he's done so much for the black community. Um, as far as like going to HBCUs and providing oh funding for HBCUs and helping to um, decrease the unemployment rate. Um, I'm reading here that these black past female pastors were talking about he's the first president who's tackling the um, or addressing reparations. And I'm just like, just because someone may speak or say something does not mean that they're actively pursuing uh, a solution for it. I think he's a spin artist. He, oh, he, know, he knows the talking points that get us, us black involved. people yeah, involved in, in a conversation. Yeah. So let me say this, but I ain't going to do nothing because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the work of what he's like, saying. For the last, since his term began, it's been, I'm going to meet with historical black colleges to talk about funding. Mm-hmm. And HBCUs are getting shut down. Since he got here, he's been having great talking points. Now, I will give him credit for the whole criminal justice thing, but I'll be honest, that's not his doing. That's more so what you're saying, spin again. Mm-hmm. Another reason for him to say, hey, black people, look at what I've done for you lately. And I don't think it's him. I think it's the Kim Kardashians because ah, he's that's a really, celebrity. That's really it. And she's a celebrity. She has access to him. Oh, yeah. That's it. More so than than uh, a lawmaker oh, yeah. or a politician. That's who he respects. Actually, yeah, he respects the celebrity of it because mm-hmm. he knows it gets him clicks. And one it thing that we likes, talked about. That's followers. it. That's yeah. it. And I don't recall the episode where we talked about it. It may have been when we um, 
were interviewing, it was either when we interviewed Paris, Prince, or when we in, interviewed James Woodall, we talked about how it is a misnomer to associate criminal justice reform with having done something for the African-American or black community. I like that. When you're doing criminal justice reform, you're benefiting every single American who's been incarcerated falsely or without due process. And to say that you're helping black people, saying that the black people are criminals or the ones the criminal justice system either has hurt or who were a part of the system. So it's actually building into a horrible stereotype that Americans like Donald Trump already hold of black people, but we are buying into it hook, line, and sinker. So it was really wise of Donald Trump and his people to take the whole, uh, you know, criminal justice reform movement and attach themselves to it because of the false narrative that they helped plant that made it seem as though the Democrats like Bill and Hillary Clinton were a part of and caused the problem in the first place. They set this up and here black people are in America quick to jump into it and be easily misled down the wrong path. And and I think for me, if if we can use his... um, celebrity to get some things done Done, by all means means, let's do but I will never give him the credit no and I like that and I think (laughs) I think the funniest thing too is just how people like him and Candace Owens Mm. they are so great with using simple deceptive language and they use it so well she was just like yeah you know the the Klan actually, you know, they're not, you know, the Klan's not a terrorist organization. This group is a terrorist organization. They've done more. And I'm like, the language that you guys use is yeah. so deceptive. And it's very, it's very good if you're not really knowledgeable. And misinformed. And misinformed. Like it's, Thank you're you. pumping information into the world that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true. What do you guys think of the black people like Candace Owens that oh, are supporting man. wholeheartedly, you know, Donald Trump and his whole entire push? I know that this past week... Mm-hmm. And in my home state of Mississippi, Tate Reeves was elected governor oh, of that state. Yeah. Tate Reeves has tons of uh, connections to, you know, things that I think are absolutely horrific and 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 apparently racist. But he won, and black people in that state voted for him. They did. There's no way a state that has 35 percent of their populace being African American mm. black could have elected Tate Reeves if, if black people themselves didn't vote for him. So what are your thoughts on these, uh, on our black brothers and sisters who are voting and supporting overwhelmingly Republican, the whole entire Blacksit movement that's out there saying black people should lead the Democratic Party? Here's the thing. I'm, I'm for critical thinking. Mm-hmm. I know it's not critical thinking. That's my only problem. <laughs> the people that are voting Republican, by and large, it's not critical thinking. It's just being contrary. It, it, that's really it. It's, hey, I've tried this. This doesn't seem to work. I'm just going to try something different. That's mm-hmm. how it comes off to me. Well, I want some attention. I want I, some attention. Yeah, I, and I also think that we still are operating in the slave mentality. Yeah. Um, we are... And what what Stop I mean home. by slave mentality, please do not get mad at me for saying that, but I, I just think that we have bought into this master servant way of of doing things and 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 a lot of times it has something to do with a white man mm-hmm. being that master that white savior mm-hmm. complex that we have i don't i'm not trying to push any buttons but i just i think that we are enslaved we still got stockholm Especially, syndrome yeah there, you know we just we need someone like it's funny my dad is like a, a staunch 
you know, he's a staunch supporter of African American rights, but he'll mm-hmm. still say, But Reagan signed the King Bill and yeah. he helped Meharry stay hoping and, and I'm like, these are calculated moves. I'm mm-hmm. not saying we shouldn't get what we should get, but that doesn't observe you know, that doesn't absolve them of everything yeah. they've done. And with us, it's like throw us a bone and we'll act like nothing happened. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Oh, you the know. black community can thing. be very forgiving. Ooh. Can be very forgiving Except sometimes. for certain yeah. things, though. So what are some things, though, that we don't forgive? You know, I saw a post <laughs> the other day. It said, black people would be conservative if it wasn't for our religious beliefs. Because we cannot forgive people's sexuality. Mm-hmm. We cannot forgive people's religious views. Mm-hmm. We can forgive everything else. We can forgive slavery. We can forgive discrimination. We cannot forgive someone not being Christian. Mm. We can't mm. forgive someone that, like, you know, millennials are like, hey, we're going back to traditional African religions. They're not trying to hear that. Like, you're not going to hear that in the church. People yeah. say, yeah. Instead of saying, amen, I'm going to say, ashe. You, do you know how, how that would just shake up the whole church, like, framework? And even now, you know, I remember I was in church today and the guy was just like, let's just, we just got to say that homosexuality is going to cause you to go to hell. We have to say it. We're obligated to say it. And I was like, once again, these are so conservative, but we invite all liberal people into, into the church, but we just can't get past that in our mind. We just so brainwashed Mm -hmm. to read this book so literally. We can see gray in everything else, but Mm -hmm. that. Just crazy. Which baffles me. It's because crazy. <laughs> how is it that you can align yourself with someone who whose rhetoric is against most of the things that's in the Bible? Mm. Uh, that's very divisive. That's um, that is very racist. That um, causes a lot of turmoil. I just couldn't align myself with There's someone, someone like who thinks and speaks this way. But because they got a black friend. Mm. Say that they are somebody who is worth at least listening to, and I just I can't do it. I, I couldn't align myself. And he knows what that. he's doing. He's like, I got Ben Carson. Yeah, smile. I got a uh, Candace. Smile. And, but how can we Rosa, ignore his smile. cabinet being all white and majority male, white, white male? White male. You know the Supreme Court being yeah. white male. He's stacked he's, his thing. He is setting up. The White House and the judicial system and mm-hmm. all of that. So when he leaves, it looks like him, him. for years oh, to come. That's deep. This is really you know, I was thinking much. about that today. Uh, actually, I was thinking like even if a Democrat is elected to mm-hmm. be the next president, so many appointees and so many people that have been hired to work in Washington from the Trump administration will be held over because the people that were brought in and there from the uh, Obama administration. They're out. They're yeah. gone. They, they were pushed he out drained. immediately. He did. He, and he could not care. <laughs> you know, he didn't care about knowledge. He didn't care about expertise. He did not care about any of that. Mm-hmm. And now his people are going to be the ones that have the knowledge because after four years in the intelligence community and government, you don't know enough to be effective. Mm-hmm. So it's going to... And, and most Democrats are the kind of people that are going to come in there and then clean house anyway. Oh, yeah. So his influence will be held for years to come. That's horribly, horribly unfortunate. Um, Is he welcome back in Atlanta? Oh. You know, I, I would love to never see President Trump in <laughs> any American city. Okay? This is... This is <laughs> however, 
I think that people are going to welcome him back to Atlanta. They welcomed him here the first time. They'll continue to probably welcome him here, welcome him here even though he uh, attacked our city. When he yeah. was, when he attacked Representative oh, John, uh, John Lewis, Lewis. Mm. he attacked the city. He had horrible things to say about Atlanta. Damn and I city. think it is disrespectful for him to even set foot in our city for whatever reason. I, I, I think it's important for us to, to highlight when he speaks against communities that are disenfranchised mm-hmm. or that don't have access. We have got to understand as black people, we don't typically have, uh, I had a professor ask me today, a former professor, he's like, what is the thing that's plaguing the most plaguing the black community? And I said, it's ownership. That's it. Whether it's home, home, home ownership, ownership or uh, owning a business, we don't have the access nope. to loans that our white counterparts have. Yeah, so indeed. fixing up our community, uh, gentrifying our oh, own communities man. is more difficult for us. And I think people don't understand that. Like, Tana Hesse literally said, redlining prevented African Americans from moving forward. Exactly. You, you get out of slavery. As soon as you get out of slavery, we put all this money in the bank that we're supposed to have. They use that. The National Treasury uses that mm-hmm. to build a building. Mm-hmm. So all those millions taken away. Mm-hmm. Then you deny us access to housing. You give us public housing. Mm-hmm. You cut off loans. You effectively cut us off from any control. You there's no way. And we're not the ones that. in those positions no. to and, say yes. And that's the Byron Allen argument. The, the papers. Yeah. With him talking about how they got thirty billion and we may get seven million towards black yeah. television and black in the industry, industry. In the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate. And even in Buffalo Wild Wings, we can't even sit down and have some seasoned corn. <laughs> so, now, have you guys ever... I, have, have you been to Buffalo Wild Wings? It's been a minute. <laughs> Once or twice. It's been a minute. I have never been to Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> in my life. And I um, I know they're around. They're out there. You know, I, I get it confused with Taco Mac. Okay. Because oh, Taco wow. Mac has a flying buffalo. Yeah. Right. I'm assuming that it's implying that those are wings. But you know, because <laughs> buffalo wings, buff- Taco Mac. I don't know. <laughs> However, I have never been to Buffalo Wild Wings, but I know that in Illinois, there was a a very unfortunate incident where a regular white patron asked the restaurant to have a black family seated next to him removed. He wanted them moved to a different section because he did not want to sit next to the black family. And the restaurant obliged and asked the family to actually move. Luckily, the family got up and left and made this into an entire social media movement that resulted in the firing of the staff at the restaurant as well as the actual patron being banned from all Buffalo Wild Wings for life. Oh, wow. So what are, what are our thoughts in general about this Illinois Buffalo Wild Wings incident? Was his exact words? I don't want to be seated. I mean, either yeah. way. Oh, wow. Correct. Uh, it stated that throughout the family's experience there, this man gave them dirty looks. It ultimately had it where, again, he asked a waiter to move them. And the waiter literally said, uh, I, I'm sorry, this is really messed up, but we have a regular guy here. And he want I got to move you guys. Wow. And they were adamant about moving them, even when they said, we're not moving. The manager even came and said, you have to move for this customer. In 2019. In 2019. We have reversed... We're going back in time. One person has reversed it now. You know. <laughs> One person has reversed and it. And I, I will say, we didn't go through, I didn't agree with 
Bush and his no, politics. No, of course, of course. But I do not remember it ever being this society bad. being like this, so overt, so blatant with their racism. We might as well be for colors only sections literally, literally. in restaurants mm-hmm. and in buildings. If this is happening, like it's crazy. I, I have no other Boys. comment to say about it other than good for Buffalo Wild Wings for taking a stance and firing the staff because that is racism, that is discrimination, and it should not be tolerated anywhere. And good for them for banning the people, but I've never understood how that really works. Works. How do you know? How do you continue? I'm pretty sure that that he's not really banned. uh, banned. Okay. For me, my... I forgot what I was going to say, but for me, my big thing, I was just like, wow, like you were saying... It literally feels like we regress, but mm-hmm. the part is not just the South. No, it's everywhere. The, this the, is, the, yeah, the this whole is country Illinois, feels like right. the South during like segregation. Yeah, and I think that's what's getting the rest of the country. It's in Illinois and areas of the country where you don't really hear about these things. Yeah, but wow. And so one Manage. thing that I think is interesting is that I can't find the name of this racist. Uh, and so it seems as though they're media outlets, right? They're not p- posting his name, and they are withholding his name, probably you know to protect him. Mm-hmm. But I think that is unfortunate. I think that it needs to be revealed when when people do this. It should be public. It needs to be. It needs to be public. Yeah. To know who they are, and their work, their people they work for. What if this man yeah. is a supervisor of black people, yeah. or is in a position to where he can use his racist views to hurt people. Exactly. I think people need to know about it. Yeah. Do you think it would be known if he was a black person who did this? I do. I, I think I, don't, I think that would not be kind of hidden away. I think no, it would show it all. There needs the news. to be a consequence. It does. That's correct. Right? There More than be, just being banned yeah. from Buffalo Wild. You need to be able to lose your livelihood. Oh yeah. You have to. <laughs> at this point if you're discriminating. But it's okay. That's a problem is that like you said, it's become acceptable mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen to have to harbor these racist views and to exploit or to view them or share them in a public form. I do think if these people who are racist and discriminatory, if they got their asses whooped Mm. a little more often... Mm. Think a little twice, a little, a little bit. You think more that yeah, yeah, about you're thinking that violence is the same. Violence is the answer. Tracy, you want to? I'm not saying that. No, let me be clear. I'm not saying that violence is the answer. I think they pick and choose. They know who to discriminate. Oh, they know who to do that with. They're not discriminate, uh, discriminating against Pookie and Ray no, Ray. No, no, no. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they call them with their kids. The and... Justin Valls of the world. You know, <laughs> they're right. picking the nice, wholesome. Black person who has something to lose essentially. Yeah, if, if I was discriminated and against, and Justin does look nice and wholesome in his yeah, sweater. I would have something to lose. That's it. But if my cousins, you know, off the block, off came Castle in Street, here, they not going for it. <laughs> no, not at all. But <laughs> they, they know going. who to do this to. Do we they feel do. as though Buffalo Wild Wings did the right thing and should not be canceled? Oh yeah, wow. I do think so. Okay, yeah, I, I mean yeah. we can't cancel. It's not their their fault. That their employees, you know, took on this this uh, racist attitude. They did yeah. the right move. I, I I think by them handling it right away, they did not take a whole lot of time. We're gonna investigate. Exactly. See. They went on ahead and took care of it. No, I don't think. No, they did you know, the right thing. Should, they didn't they didn't sit on that too long, and yeah. you know they didn't do a, a Starbucks. They, I was just they about to mention Starbucks because yeah. we're gonna do a bias training. I was they, just about to mention. You know, but on the other end, should they have done bias? training on the front end so that this wouldn't have happened in the first place. 
That's an argument. I mean, should should all businesses be doing Correct. That I would have to point. say probably so. All yeah. businesses. I have to Even do teachers. safety and security training about online phishing yeah. scams and all. Then I have to do tons Harass, of... Sexual harassment. Right. I have all that. types of online but, training but businesses models. businesses do do Some, discrimination. but many of them do not. And so, to, especially in the customer service driven industries of restaurants and stores and merchandising. I feel as though they need to have this as required as a requirement of the orientation and onboarding process to avoid these types of issues. And so to me, Buffalo Wild Wings probably didn't do that. So to me, it makes me say, should they be canceled? I'm not willing to put them on the cancel list not just yet. at the moment. <laughs> but I am wondering if, if T actually placed on that cancel <laughs> list after saying that. Uh, he checks his daughter's virginity via Bia her hymen, although she is now an adult in college. This happened last week on a podcast. It was a Ladies Like Us podcast where he talked about his parenting style and where he literally said that he talks to his daughter's gynecologist to ensure that she is still a virgin as a result, setting off a firestorm of Twitter activity and social media blast. Tracy, as a woman... Who has a gynecologist? Yes. Will you tell us your thoughts on this issue? Um, I do understand Ti's desire for his daughter to um, wait to have sex. I understand that as a parent. I mean, especially in this day and age. But I just would be very uncomfortable if my father. Um, was in the gynecologist with me as I'm spreading my leg. I'm a woman of a certain age, and <laughs> when I'm in there with my gynecologist by myself, you it's uncomfortable. uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't want him in there with me either. I um, think even him sharing the information, yeah, that's not even something too I much. want to know. That's T T. TMI. TMI. I don't even, like, I don't have any kids, but I couldn't imagine having that conversation. Just like, hey, Dad, wanted to show you my results today. Got some, yeah. got some work from home. I just wanted you to know my hymen's still intact. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I do think. My God, Dad. I do. How think about a cupcake? <laughs> you know? I'm still there. Chastity belt intact. <laughs> I do think we should be having conversations with our oh, kids definitely. about sex definitely. and STDs and unwanted pregnancies and things like that. But I don't think they should be in the... In the gyno. Yeah, that's just too much. And then you can't say, I told my son to wear condoms. Yeah. And then my daughter... But I checked my daughter. But I also think that's his karma. You know, he feels he's afraid there's some kind of karma that Mm -hmm. could, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he could be getting too. Because she is... Beautiful. She's a beautiful young lady. She's got an amazing body. Like, she does not have to... Like, she's gorgeous. She's a gorgeous young woman. So, I do understand his fear. It's all kinds you of know. boys and men probably <laughs> exactly. buying for her affections right now. And you know I the do. thing, like you're saying about karma, just when you do certain things in your life and you have a reputation in your mm-hmm. life, it's got to come back in some way. So, that's that fear of, mm-hmm. I know how I was. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen to my daughter, but I'm okay with doing that to someone else's daughter. Mm-hmm. And, and also, if 
got to understand he's watching his friend's children mm-hmm. in the limelight. Oh, yeah. You know, Lil oh, yeah. Wayne's daughter yeah. dating that YNF Lucci guy yeah. who's got like four kids and he's 27. And we know she having sex because, mm-hmm. you know, he behind her in the bathroom, you know, humping on her. And um, his his stepdaughter, Zanique, is dating. Yeah, and very, you know, she takes pictures with her mate and we can almost tell that they're sexually active. So So you think that in some ways it's justified, Tracy. You're seeming to say that it's somewhat justified. You can understand a little bit. I mean, I can understand. And also, just look at how Steve Harvey's daughter has gone from man to man to man. It just doesn't look good. So I think he's really just trying to protect her from that. I understand why he would want to protect her. Like, I do get that part. Mm And I think probably a little bit of what Charlemagne and DJ Envy were saying was right. I just maybe would not have shared. What were they saying? They were saying they would probably uh, be that protective over mm-hmm. their daughter too and they would probably want to know mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. her sexual health too but would I have went as far as saying I'm, I get the results from my gyno that girl signed these papers so I can check. You know, I feel as though, you know, I think that this, I, I have to say that I feel firmly this speaks to the double standard that men have oh, yeah. with, or parents in general have between daughters and sons. Yeah. And it's really messed up. And you're only perpetuating problems in the black community when you do this. And you're raising damaged children. T.I.'s daughter's sexual health is her sexual health. And if you're not going to raise your sons in the same way, then you have no right to raise your daughters in this way. And we're handicapping black women when you take these type of stances and types of issues. He should, his daughter should have been raised to value her virginity if the virginity in this household is something that they value. Mm. Now, I don't know if it is from looking at Mama Tiny and T.I.'s history of children. But it can't be if he's saying to his sons, it's okay for you to have sex. And that's not right. That's not right. And that's what I'm saying. That is my concern. And that's my, you know, the issue that I have with it. But like I I said, it's unfair to his daughter. He's afraid karma will come in the package of this daughter. And I feel as though that the people, like you say, Charlemagne and all these people, I feel as though they're only going to continue to do this damage mm-hmm. to our black women. And I think it is unfortunate, uh, or so there is, is my opinion, TMI, T-M-I-T-I. Yes. And I think that's a great note to end this Monday episode on. Thank you guys for coming out. Can't wait to see you on tomorrow. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Please check us out tomorrow for our Tuesday episode and as we continue our discussion with Solomon Hill Fleet. Bye-bye, y'all. Thank y'all.